Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. In the late 1940s, two international captains are rummaging through their copies of the laws of cricket to find a little-known clause. If no first-class cricket match had been played in a player's native country, they would be eligible to play cricket for the ICC full-member side closest to them. One of these captains was Walter Hadley, father of Richard patriarch of one of cricket's greatest families. He was selecting cricketers for New Zealand's tour of England in 1949, a series that would define his team for a generation. And it was a very strong New Zealand side that would end up returning from England without losing a test match or against any county team for the entire summer. The other captain was less known. His name was Philip Snow. He led a Fijian team to New Zealand in that summer of 1947-48. And these two men were happy because they realised that the Fijians were eligible to play for New Zealand. And that meant that Hadley would get the man that he wanted for his tour. That player's name? Ilikena Lasarusa Telibula Manivela Esavala Luka Bula Manakala Kukaluka Balalu, who would actually later be known as the Fijian Bradman. Luckily for us, someone decided to abbreviate his name to I.L. Bula later on. Had they not done so, this podcast probably would be a lot longer. In that New Zealand summer, Buller was the fifth highest scorer. It was not an ordinary feat, for he was competing against all the New Zealand cricketers who had been playing plunket shield and sometimes test cricket for generations. To arrive in a test nation and dominate the first class setup is huge when you have no first class cricket at home. Bull eventually didn't go on that England tour as part of the New Zealand side. Hadley thought it might not go down well with the home-born cricketers, and Snow felt that Buller would be far too homesick going on a six-month tour. So Buller remained a Fijian-only player, but he still played some big games. In 1956, a West Indian team toured New Zealand, and they stopped in Fiji, and they lost the main match. In that game, Buller was the second top scorer. He did that dressed in a Sulu, a Fijian skirt-like garment. The Fijian were cricketers unlike anyone else. This series of Double Century is about mischances, the teams that got away. For the longest time, the narrative of cricket was that only the teams who ended up with test status actually loved our sport. But there have been others that have shown that passion, who, for many varied reasons, did not move into test cricket. In this episode, it's Fiji, who played a refreshing brand of cricket, way different from the rest of the world, and they beat real teams. Cricket in Fiji dates back to 1874, but their early cricketing days were restricted to games 
in and around New Zealand and Australia. In 1894-95, they won four of their eight matches on a tour of New Zealand. They also toured Australia in 1907-08 for 26 matches. In those, they drew against New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Queensland, and two Tasmanian teams. And twice against Tasmania. But because they are such a small nation, that remained Fiji's last major foray into international cricket until the 1947-48 tour of New Zealand. That was the I.L. Bula tour. He scored over 1,000 runs in all the matches, and in the first-class matches alone, he'd scored almost 500 at an average of 46. Data on him is difficult to find. Only nine of his matches were ever given first-class status. In those, he scored 702 runs at over 40 with two hundreds. Against Waikato, Buller made 77 and 53 not out. He hit nine sixes in the match. The Waikato Cricket Association presented him with a ball inscribed in silver. They said he hit the ball the hardest they'd ever seen. Fiji then chased 247 in less than a day to beat Wellington, and Buller made 88. Against Walter Hadley's Canterbury, he made 63 and 120, which was his highest first-class score. Fiji lost, but this was the match that made Hadley look up the rule books. Against Auckland, Fiji found themselves 52 runs behind in the first innings, but Bula and Harry Apted had a great partnership that gave them a lead, and the Fijians actually defended that total. And as good as they were, they also stood out for how they played. As I mentioned before, Bula did most of this batting in a sulu, which was a skirt that would end up just on top of his pads. And that was pretty common of the players in his team. Many of them also played barefoot as well. Bula was not what you would call an orthodox batter, and he was from a very unorthodox team. After the games, he would often entertain the crowd with South Sea songs. The Fijians actually became incredibly popular on that tour, and Bula was the most popular among them. Young boys in New Zealand used to hunt him for autographs. It's probably lucky he was using Al Bula for those autographs as well. But his full name, of which I will not try again, actually means returned alive from Nankula Hospital at Lake Giba Island in the Lao Group. It was given to him by his grandfather, who spent some time critically ill roughly around the time Bula was born in the same hospital. Six years after that first tour in New Zealand, Bula was back in New Zealand and playing Canterbury again. This time, Fiji was pushing to give themselves a defendable total. They made 344 from 65.3 overs. Bula hit 100 in an hour with eight sixes. Fiji lost, but only just. As good as Bula was, and he was absolutely fantastic, they did have other players as well. That win against the West Indies was really set up by their seam bowlers. The left-armed Azalee Drew, and the right-armed Jack Gosling. And just in case you were wondering, this was a strong West Indian side. Gary Sobers, Colley Smith, Dennis Atkinson, Sonny Ramondon, and Alf Valentine. And they bowled Fiji out for only 91. Buller scored 27, while Harry Apted top scored with 33. Apted was a really incredible athlete. When he was quite young, he broke his arm, and it stayed fixed at a right angle. He could not fully stretch it out. Despite that, he represented Fiji in cricket, lawn bowls, and hockey. He would bat left-handed and would bowl off-spin despite the physical restrictions. Despite the fact that Apted and Bueller made some runs, obviously 91 was not particularly easy to defend. Even less so when the West Indian openers both made 16 each. But the West Indies were bowled out for 63. Drew took 4 for 26 and Gosling 6 for 25. A highlight of that match was supposed to be the catching, although Sober's dismissal was from an accidental shot as the fielder was trying to duck. On that day, the Fijians were led by Ratu Katamisi Mara. 
The word Ratu means chief. It is used by Fijian nobility. Ratu Mara was six foot five, and he was the fastest man on the side, and in all the recorded matches, he averaged 18 with the ball. Like many of the other Fijian players, Mara could really hit the ball hard, but he would go on to study in Auckland and Otago, and that's where he broke the New Zealand University's record in high jump, and he was selected to play cricket for Otago as well, before leaving to study history in Oxford. When he played for the Oxford Authentics, he took 41 wickets at an average under eight. He played for Fiji when they toured New Zealand in 1953-54, but only two of his matches had first-class status. In those, he had eight wickets for 77 runs. The truth is that Ratamara would have played more cricket, but unfortunately he had slightly more important things to do. In 1970, he became the first Prime Minister of an independent Fiji. In 1994, he became their president. Fiji remembers Ratamara today as their founding father. That's not something many international cricket captains can claim. And it's worth noting that he wasn't the only one. Ratu Edward Kakabau served as Fiji's Deputy Prime Minister under Ratu Mara. And in that 1947-48 tour of New Zealand, he took 5 for 72 against Otago. Nat Ulaviti scored 200 in New Zealand in 1953-54. He would later go on to play for Auckland and was a top rugby player as well. He also toured Australia with Fiji in 1959-60. He was their captain when they went up against a very strong New South Wales eleven that featured Richie Benno, Keith Miller, Alan Davidson, and Neil Harvey. It was Harry Apted's brother, William, who carried his bat with 70, but Fiji only scored 163. Then Ulaviti went out and took 5 for 28 to dismiss New South Wales for 137. He then declared, giving New South Wales a target of only 86, they would finish up on 52 for 7. The same Drew who had destroyed the West Indies took another 3 for 20 here. The game was technically a draw, but as per the agreement, Fiji won the match on a first-innings lead. In that same game, Davison hit a batter on the toes with a Yorker. And by on the toes, I mean literally on the toes. They were shoeless. Newspaper reports suggested that it would have crippled someone batting in steel cap boots. But the batter in question just continued to play. Bula, Ratamara, Harry Apted, Drew, Gosling, Ulaviti all played in the 1940s and 50s, which was undoubtedly the peak of Fijian cricket. But touring teams sometimes halted en route to Australia or New Zealand, even when travelling by air. And when they did, they would play a match or two. In one of those, in 1976-77, Peter Musbrat rocked a full-strength Pakistan on a matting wicket. The Pakistan team had 11 international cricketers, including Intikab Alam, Zahi Abbas, Javed Miandab, Wazim Raja, and Iqbal Kuzim. As far as internationals go, the Fijians only had Aroni Logani Mose, who had toured New Zealand 23 years earlier. But they also had the medium-paced Musprat, who was born in Queensland but never played first-class cricket. He took the first four wickets and finished up with eight for 62. Pakistan were bowled out for 221, and the two-day match would end up in a draw. It's not that Fiji stopped playing after that. They appeared in the early editions of the ICC Trophy. They just didn't have the same success they'd had in their golden era. Neil Maxwell was their last major cricketer, and he migrated to Australia at an early age, scored 100 for the Australia under-19s, played for Canterbury, New South Wales and Victoria, took seven wickets in a Sheffield Shield final, became the CEO of the Kings Eleven Punjab, and is currently Pat Cummins' agent. In between all of this, he took time to play off for Fiji in three editions of the ICC Trophy. But Maxwell was more of a one-off, and cricket in Fiji kind of stalled. They're currently in Division 7, and yet cricket in their region is actually doing quite well. 
Teams like Papua New Guinea and Vanuatu have completely surpassed Fiji. And their golden era is just so long ago now. But there is one player from that time that we haven't mentioned yet. Patiro Kubanavanua. He was a left-handed batter who, again, you're not going to be shocked, hit the ball very hard. But it was his fielding that made him popular. Part of the reason is because he would run very fast in his Sulu, but he had a deadly throwing arm from the deep. Kubu Navanua's most iconic fielding moment was actually not involving a cricket ball. It was when he was fielding at square leg in Malaya in a wartime match, and a swallow kept annoying him. So he caught the bird and tucked it away in his Sulu pocket for the rest of the session. But the reason we're mentioning him here is that in 1974, Fiji issued a stamp to celebrate 100 years of cricket for their country. On it was Kuba Navanua in a Sulu, barefoot, throwing from the outfield. This was a nation that loved cricket so much, they put fielding on a stamp. In fact, Kuba Navanua appeared on a stamp two years before Don Bradman would in Australia. I think it's undeniable that cricket is no longer a major part of Fijian culture. But think about that stamp. Ratamara becoming their Prime Minister, President and Founder. And I Albula getting Walter Hadley to check the cricket playing laws to see if he could get him. This was clearly a real cricket nation. The barefoot men and the Sulas liked to hit the ball hard. They loved fielding and their bowlers could run through the best. They beat the West Indies, challenged the best players of their time, and then they faded away. In cricket, we might never have worked out how to say I Albula's full name correctly. But from what we know of his cricket, we should certainly remember him and the nation he comes from. Double Century is a podcast on the 99.94 Network. You can download our app via the show notes or look for us on social media to see all the podcasts and audio we produce. If you prefer your podcast ad-free, you can support us on Patreon to get that version. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century on 99.94 is a podcast narrated, produced and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes and co-produces the show. Double Century is my podcast about the history of the game, but I have another podcast called Red Inca, which is on the current game. Come over and hear us talking about when Faf Duplessis is topless or why T20 cricket is broken. Red Inca can be found where you listen to your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.